0: Hello, and welcome to The gold mine, where you can find new investment insights from your favorite financial writers every day.
1: Hi, I'm Ben Carlson, and this is Why Do We Always Focus on the Bad Stuff? I went back to my hometown of Traverse City, Michigan this past weekend for my 20th high school reunion. Yeah, I'm getting a little old. For roughly five months out of the year, call it June through October, it's one of the most beautiful places on Earth. The weather is nice, there are beaches and wineries and lakes and rivers and sand dunes and scenic drives and all sorts of things to do outside. It's wonderful and it's picturesque. Unfortunately, the other seven months out of the year are brutal. Nasty weather conditions, tons of snow and cold in the winter, and then just when you think spring is about to peek its head out, bam, you get hit with a huge snowstorm in late March or early April. And although the summers are beautiful, the place is swarming with tourists, so traffic can be a mess at times. When I lived there, I tended to focus more on the bad than the good. I complained about the winter weather, the summer traffic, and the swarms of tourists. But now that I moved away, I find myself having a greater appreciation for the good stuff, and I can't believe I ever cared about the bad stuff. I think part of this is just human nature. The bad stuff makes us feel worse than the good stuff makes us feel good. Complaining feels more natural than gratitude for most people because it's just easier to complain. And I'm sure there is some survival of the fittest trait. You know, something like paying attention to the bad stuff just kept you alive. There's also some innate part of our brain that focuses on the new, exciting, scary, or dangerous. No one ever marvels at how safe traffic is the majority of the time, even though we're all flying down the highway at 75 miles per hour in these huge steel contraptions that weigh thousands of pounds. But you can be sure traffic will always slow to a crawl, even when the accident is on the other side of the road. We just can't help ourselves. Researcher Max Roser once pointed out, And I quote, newspapers could have the headline, number of people in extreme poverty fell by 137,000 since yesterday, every day in the last 25 years, unquote. The problem is these headlines wouldn't sell too many copies, though, because we're all subjected to the terrible stuff all the time, like fires and shootings and deaths, with maybe a little weather sprinkled in, because that's what sells. This same phenomenon plays out in the finance industry as well. Vanguard manages more than $7 trillion in assets and has probably done more good for investors than all financial service companies combined. But Vanguard is fairly boring, so we, and this includes me, spend all of our time paying attention to a company like Robinhood. Now, Robinhood has around $80 billion of assets, which is around 1% of what Vanguard manages. That $80 billion is spread across 18 million accounts. So let's call it an average account size of a little more than $4,000 per customer. That's so tiny in the grand scheme of things. Vanguard's 401k plans have 5 million participants, but their average account size is more than $350,000. Target date retirement funds have more than $3 trillion in them. In the entire fund complex, there is now $5.4 trillion in index funds that track the S&P 500. Individual investors as a group are now better behaved than they've ever been at any time in history. They pay less in fees, they have more money in index funds, and they take advantage of tax-deferred retirement accounts. Yet we spend so much time worrying about the actions of those $4,000 accounts at Robinhood that are trading GameStop and AMC and Dogecoin. Do investors need to be trading meme stocks and joke cryptocurrencies? Of course not. But if most of them are doing so in small quantities for entertainment or speculative purposes, it's not really the end of the world. The same line of thinking applies to the overall stock market. So many investors are concerned about black swan events that have a 1% chance of ever happening while ignoring the fact that the stock market is up something like 75% of all years. People want to hedge out inflation, deflation, stagflation, bear markets, volatility, government policies, High economic growth, low economic growth, recessions, and everything in between. Yes, you have to build various downside risks into your expectations, but hedging out every single risk imaginable is how you end up with a portfolio that offers zero chance of upside. Defaulting to the assumption that stocks go up most of the time, but sometimes they go down, isn't very intellectually stimulating, but it's a strategy that will win the majority of the time. There's nothing wrong with paying attention to the bad stuff some of the time. The world is far from perfect, but in most cases, the good outweighs the bad whether that's where you live or investing in the markets. For more from me, check out
0: wealthofcommonsense.com This podcast is for informational purposes only and is brought to you by Ritholtz Wealth Management. Clients of Ritholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities mentioned on this podcast. If you're new to investing, check out LiftoffInvest.com to get started with us today.
1: Solid.